You're listening to From Here with Delia and Don. Hey, Delia. How's it going? Happy Black History Month. Hello. How are, how's it going with you? It's going awesome. Yeah, we are in the thick of um, Black History Month right now. And so just wanted to wish you a um, happy Lunar New Year and happy Black History Month. February is a lot. Yeah, February is. Um, <laughs> do you um, do stuff with your kids for Black History Month? I don't. Um, yeah. And I sort of like take the approach of like, let's do it all the time not oh, just man. like in february that's so that's my <laughs> that is man. my approach like <laughs> oh you like yeah. outdid me already <laughs> sorry <laughs> okay wait, okay so what does that mean to do black history month all the time um <clears throat> i think the biggest thing that i do is i am like uh the book concierge oh, for yeah. my kids and so like I would say like 75% of the books that we get from the library are by people of color. Mm, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like I'm the one checking out the books and they just kind of show up. And, you mm. know, outside of some of the like popular series that like my kids just are reading, just, you know, because everyone else is reading about dragons. So they're reading the dragon series. Um, mm-hmm. Like I try to find books that are written by people of color. Um, and I think it I think it almost makes it just sort of part of the fabric of like what we're talking about or the mm-hmm. kinds of things that just kind of cross their paths. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of shocking, you know, how much information like they just kind of absorb, you know, mm-hmm. like we do, you know, I try to find, you know, just sort of like meaningful books and, you know, my, my fifth grader actually we'll read like nonfiction as well. So he's read like lots of different um, books and things. And so it's, you know, it just kind of gives them lots to talk about. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So your approach <clears throat> has been around <clears throat> books, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, and, you know, part of that context is like my kids are like reading like all the time, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's like pretty easy and pretty, just sort of prevalent in their lives, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I can't, I can't keep up with them all the time, you know, but I do try to kind of check in and like, see like, you know, what did you think about that book? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the books my, my fifth grader read was, it was like the, um, the young, young readers version of, it wasn't how to be an anti-racist. It was the other book. Stamped. Yes. Stamped from the beginning. And yes. so like he read that and I was like, what did you think? What did you learn? And he was like, yeah, like I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and he would like ask, you know, questions and kind of say, you know, talk mm-hmm. about the things that stuck, stuck out to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they talk, he'll talk about it with me, mm-hmm. you know, if you like ask questions. So yeah, um, yeah that's sort of how. I approach it. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, um, you know, from a very early age, because my kid loves and continues to love to read. So books was a very, um, excuse me, a very easy entry point, Mm -hmm. you know, and 
um, you know, when we go to the library, I like just I'd slip in a couple of you know additional books too. <laughs> and during Black History Month, right, I would actually say, "Hey, it's Black History Month every year in February." It's Black History Month, and <clears throat> and we have Black, you know, I sort of explain, like, we have Black History Month to make sure that people take time out to learn mm. about and celebrate Black history, right? So the the both end of, yes, this is mm-hmm. a, what we're doing, and also it should be as well, like, every day, right? And so I remember starting him off with, um, like, the famous people books, mm-hmm. like, famous African-Americans, you know, there's a whole bunch of them that are out there, you know, board books and stuff like that. And then I and then I crossed over and I did like the ones for women, Women's History Month. Mm-hmm. Right. And I would actually throw those into uh, February. So the board books of like famous women, but I would also throw those into February. And I would be <laughs> like, look, there's famous black women, you know, as well. Right. And those were very, very easy, you know, to incorporate at, you know, a, a young age. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, of course, also having books with main characters who, and you know, here's a fascinating thing, right? For young readers, a lot of those books were not necessarily, they didn't have like characters that were running around saying, you know, I'm African American or I'm black, right? Mm-hmm. But there would be something um, in addition to the visual, right? Something that I made sure that there was some kind of reference to mm-hmm. black culture, black identity, right. Mm-hmm. That um, enabled my son to see the character as, you know, I, I think there's a cultural aspect to um, the character's racial and ethnic identity, mm-hmm. right. That was in their natural context in, you know, those storylines. Mm-hmm. And so I looked for a lot of those too, where it wasn't like, this just weird add-in of -hmm. like reference to African-American culture, Mm -hmm. you know, or blackness that made it kind of like, I didn't, I didn't really like the ones where, you know how people say, Oh yeah, the character happens to be black. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'd like a little bit more intentionality than that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like funny. Cause you know, I think books have like come a really long way, you know, and one genre that like my kids have like really enjoyed is sort of like the Percy Jackson like mm-hmm, mythology, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it sort of like spawned this like entire like uh, adjacent genre of like you know books with like mythologies from like other places you know besides mm-hmm. sort of like Greek and like Roman. Mm-hmm. But, but my kiddo has read like so many of them that one day he was kind of like, you know. This is how the book kind of goes. It's like someone feels like they don't quite fit in, you know, and they don't really understand, you know, their their family's background. And then something happens and there's some magic power and it comes from, you know, a myth from their culture. And then they become more prideful, you know, they become more proud of their identity. <laughs> and he just kind of like boiled down the kind of like template of it. That's so um, astute, right? But I mean, there, there, there's a lot more of that, you know, now. Yeah. And so he's read a whole bunch, you know, with like, there's like a lot about like Anansi, you know, kind of powers yeah. and like um, a whole yeah. bunch of other books like that. Um, but it was really funny because we had gone to the um, 
Museum of uh, the National Museum of African American History and Her- of Her- African American Heritage in mm-hmm. Washington D.C. Yeah, and they had this exhibit about Afrofuturism, mm-hmm. and it was like just really funny to see because we're like going through this and just sort of reading about Afrofuturism, mm-hmm. and like my kiddo was like, "Oh." I've read a ton of books about Afrofuturism and I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you have, you know, this sort of like sci-fi, like mythology, but like empowering like books and like re, you know, Mm reimagining the future. And it was really Mm -hmm. cool just to see all of that like click for him, Yeah, you know, like that these stories had a place, you Mm -hmm. know, and there was like this bigger context of like, what does it mean for, for black people to re-envision the universe you know in a way yeah. that like centers their identity or like gives them you know some locus of, of voice and you know in their stories so it was really fun, fun to just kind of see those connections being made yeah. um and that's sort of like how i hope you know to kind of weave all of mm-hmm. these themes like through different things happening you know different yeah. points in our lives yeah yeah i yeah i love that i mean i think i do kind of similar things as well and um <clears throat> you know you mentioned earlier the um young readers versions of books mm-hmm. those are mm-hmm. amazing right they are they really I think, are what was it the first summer of pandemic i looked up there was like this list of young readers versions of you know great uh books about racial justice right mm-hmm. and then i pretty much like i said to my son i'm like which ones look interesting <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna read those we're gonna do those we're gonna read those together you know and so i bought i think like six off that list mm-hmm. in that first summer of pandemic right we we read so we read so many books so you know i think he read he the young readers version of um stamped mm-hmm. also um I think I think the young readers version of um, Howard Zinn's mm-hmm. people's book. history, yeah, people's history, and then also we read what's the food one? It's a uh, Michael Paul. I think it's Michael Pollan's book. Oh, right? was right? it Guns, and then, Germs, and Steel or a different one? No, something not else. that one. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was a um, about fast. I think it was like fast food and. You know, oh, maybe it wasn't Michael Pollan's one, but it was about food. I just remember mm-hmm. food and sustainability, right? Oh, and then, and then we kind of we petered out a little because I think we were kind of <laughs> like oh, overdid oh it, <laughs> overdid it, right? But we got these. I think we got through three, mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, so it was it was really great, and I made the mistake, and then you know, like on this podcast, we talk about things that we did, but then we don't often talk about things that don't go well. Mm. right mm-hmm. when we're when we're <laughs> you know like doing parenting things and i don't want our listeners to think like we don't like we don't have fails okay <laughs> i have i have a million fails one of the fails that i did was i decided yeah in addition to reading the book let's do book reports together oof <laughs> <laughs> for fun and i completely took the fun out um so by the time we got to the third book my kid was just like, I don't want to read anymore. Um, yeah, completely took the fun out, right? This yeah. is where it's like, what What was I thinking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I was stressing out about like learning loss and like dumb things like that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were, we were at the end of our wits trying to find like things to do. So 
hours. <laughs> yeah, like, no. what can you do on your own here? Like, I mean, you know, I was like just making stuff up at that point, right? <laughs> Unnecessary work, you know, <laughs> and it just completely just sucked all the joy out, you know. Mm -hmm. So if I had to do that again, I would just be like, let's just read the books for fun, right? Mm -hmm. And like, and let's just if we want to talk about it, we can. We don't, you know, we don't have to, right? Um, in addition to books, um, like you, right, uh, museums have been really great. And then also like the science, the science museums and all that. I really, really appreciate how, um, well, at least in, here in the Bay Area, uh, we have our Academy of Sciences, also our Exploratorium, mm -hmm. right, where they've done specific things highlighting the, you know, um, the achievements, um, things going on for Black History Month as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then our really amazing, like my favorite, favorite museum is the Oakland Museum of Contemporary Art. Mm -hmm. um, love going out to that museum because we went out to um, see one on Black feminism, right? Mm. And so... Uh, we, you know, we just went out and, and he learned all this stuff about, you know, black feminism. And it was such an engaging exhibit, mm -hmm. you know, as well that he was just, he was kind of like, you know, wandering, wandering around and just kind of like looking at displays by himself. Right. And nice. I think these are like the, the opportunities that are already there and how yeah. important it is to support the things that are in the community, but yeah. like have it be a very normal thing right. that we do right yeah yeah i do i think museums like have evolved like so much you know which is like really cool to see our like science museum in boston like they had mm -hmm. this like interactive like presentation about heat deserts in mm. you know in boston and looking mm -hmm. at like the average temperature of all the different neighborhoods and what you know goes into creating those temperature differentials like for different places and like mm -hmm. where are there more trees and where is there more concrete and like mm -hmm. overlaying that with like the neighborhoods mm -hmm. you know and kind mm -hmm. of seeing like who who lived in which neighborhoods and what were you know what were the demographics like and so it's really cool to see that those kinds of themes are being overlaid and like other you know it's not just like going to like the African-American museum where you're going to talk about this but it's like right. just the museum yeah. of science you know yes. and it's like you're going to learn about science but like yeah. There, there's a way that race matters, you know, in these conversations. Yeah. And so it's yeah. really cool to see that that is becoming like part of the conversation, you know, so mm -hmm. much more than, you know, even like when my, when my oldest was, was little, like it, it was, it felt, it feels very different, mm -hmm. you know, over the span of like 10 years, like things have evolved. And I agree too, that like art, you know, is a really powerful way to just start conversations, you know, or just kind of see what, kids notice you know mm -hmm. what we really enjoy like the, our contemporary art museum here in boston mm -hmm. too and it just sort of always is so fascinating to see what they notice mm -hmm. you know like what kinds of themes like jump out at them you know what the, or what kinds of things resonate with them you know so i think that's been really interesting mm -hmm. as well mm -hmm. yeah i mean and in in terms of like your everyday Right, mm -hmm. going back to your everyday strategy, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have conversations or have you had conversations in general with your kids about black people, black communities, right? That kind of come up, you know, naturally, like in the context of whatever you're doing? Do, have you had any kind of com conversations like that? I think it, it's more like if they, 
if my kids bring it up. What's an example of that? You know, one one example is like when I when, you know, our like class pictures came home, you know, mm-hmm. this year, and I and mm-hmm. I looked at it, and I just kind of said to my kids, I said, you know, you're like really lucky, you know, because you know your class is actually pretty racially diverse, mm-hmm. you know, and it was interesting the way you know the kid my kids responded, and they're kind of like, yeah, like not really. You know, and I said, okay, well, let me explain to you, like, what that means to me, you know, and I'm, you know, sort of sharing, like, you know, I'm perceiving there to be, you know, this many, like, Asian, Asian American kids, there's, like, Mm -hmm. this many, you know, black, like, African American kids, and they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, I never thought about it, Mm -hmm. you know, but that kind of, like, prompt kind of say, like, well, these are things, like, in your day-to-day life you know, in your classroom and like, you should like notice and like think about that. And is that, is that the same? Does that match, you know, what you see in other places? And so I think just those kind of small questions or just waiting for them to kind of bring something up to me. Yeah. I, that's one reason why I love the class pictures. Mm-hmm. When when my son was younger, I was like, number one, I got, I got to see who these, all these like, Kids, kids were. are okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I know. Yes, I know you and you, right? <clears throat> but exactly like for that reason, right? I'm like, oh, you know, oh my gosh, you have a, exactly two kids who look like they might be black in your class, mm-hmm. and I just kind of like leave that there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, huh, right? You know, don't have to make like a big. Convert, you know, conversation about that, you know, and right. I'm just like, oh, do you hang out with them? Do you know them? Right. And he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, we like at recess, we all play together. And then I remember one time, right, I'm like, um, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, this kid is like, he gets in trouble all the time. And, you know, and, and then which opened up, you know, a conversation about an opportunity to talk to him about, you know, how the kid might have been treated. Did he feel like he, you know, at any point he was, you know, been treated a certain way because of his, the color of his skin or anything like that. Right. And just to be curious about, Mm -hmm. you know, why, because that that was the first thing he said about that kid. Right. And Mm -hmm. like just expressing curiosity or asking questions. Right. Right. Not saying like, Oh yeah, your school's racist. Cause this kid is like, (laughs) constantly getting in trouble right but inviting you know modeling and inviting inquiry and critical Mm -hmm. you know thinking in a way Mm -hmm. that is accessible right Mm -hmm. to a young kid I think that Mm -hmm. is you know which then later and you know listeners you can listen to our previous episode on you know policing and African-American communities right which Mm -hmm. enabled me to have you know conversations with him that connected to broader you know social issues yeah yeah yeah, and it's interesting, you know, I, I, we, this is, like, another thing that we talked about in a, a different episode, too, is, like, you know, my, my kids' school, like, have started an Asian-American affinity group, mm-hmm. you know, which just started, and, mm-hmm. you know, there was, I guess there was one day when, like, the black affinity group was Wait, meeting. Wait, is, is this affinity group for the kids or for the, yeah, 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 for the parents kids. and families? Oh, interesting. Just for the kids, yeah. Who started it? The kids? Um, no, there is like an Asian American social worker who works in the building oh. right now. So she started it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But there, there was one time when the Black Affinity Group was meeting in the room next door, 
mm-hmm. the Asian American affinity group. Yeah. <laughs> and my kiddo says that their room sound was much louder and it sounded like they were having more fun than we were having. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, well, just for context, like this group just started, like mm-hmm. you've barely met, you know, like it's very, it's very new. It is new, mm-hmm. you know, for these kids. He's like, yeah, there's, they're just like laughing and I think they're playing more games than we were playing. And I said, you know, you have to give it like some time, you know, because this group is like, much more longstanding within the school. So, but it's just sort of like interesting to kind of see that kind of like observation. Like it sounded Mm -hmm. like they were having more fun. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. but from the outside, it's very, it's very different, you know, Mm -hmm. compared to whatever, you know, those students are experiencing. So, you know, there's, there, there's acknowledgement and just kind of like seeing, you know, and I just want to continue to kind of make space, you know, for exploring all that, like you're saying with curiosity have you broached the topic of anti-blackness with your kids at all? Not, I would say not directly. Interestingly enough, like my my older kid came home from the Asian American Affinity Group and said, "Like we learned about implicit bias today." <laughs> Wait, how old is he again? Eleven. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like I've 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 you know read read some about implicit bias. Like, do you have any questions? And he's like, no, it makes a lot of sense to me. Like, oh my god, that's awesome! Okay. Like, wow, I don't know what else to say. Like, <laughs> I want to know how they did that. I mean, I know with like that's so cool. Eleven year olds, yeah. So I think that, I mean, and it's not exactly the same, but it's like starting to uncover these like mm-hmm. themes of like, yeah, you know, sort of what your intentions might be, or but what are some of the other like. Mm-hmm beliefs and like things that are are built into Mm -hmm. our society so i haven't talked directly to them about what about you yeah i mean i'm just thinking like for an 11 year old some of this stuff is actually pretty uncomplicated (laughs) like it's really the grown-ups that make it super complicated because we're the ones that are awkward about talking about race right right It's right? probably like, true. We make it awkward, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. In the attempt to uh avoid being being called racist, right? right. There's like right. all this weirdness and talking about race. So yeah. um I, I'm I'm just like so happy that your kid your 11-year-old kid already knows about implicit bias. Yeah. I'm still just wrapping my head around that. <laughs> um yeah, so <clears throat> my son had um in middle school social emotional learning um, <laughs> and advisory where, you know, they'd have an opportunity to get um, counseling, also mental health support. They upped all of that during um, when uh, we went back in person um, after mm-hmm. COVID. And a lot of parents at first were like, what are we doing? You know, we should be spending this time, you know, trying to catch up and all that, you know, because of learning loss and all that. Right. And, the, the teachers and the principals and there was a whole bunch of parents who were like, no, mm. <laughs> we need to support their mental health right now. They just spent like almost mm-hmm. three years, mm-hmm. you know, being shut in their homes and not having like any kind of semblance of mm-hmm. experience of being in middle school. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was just, that is, I think, where we were able to talk about a lot of these things or they were able to talk about a lot of these things, but, but still, you know, um, I mean, anti-blackness is something that I think is really, really difficult to talk about because in my kids' um, um, 
school and middle school, right? The the area that, you know, he lives in with his dad is predominantly Asian and white. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. and and there are black kids and black families there, right? But, you know, it's very difficult to have that conversation, just bring up the conversation if it's not connected to anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, in elementary mm-hmm. school, right, his first principal was a black woman. And I mean, we had a really, really great relationship and she wanted me to come in, you know, to do training with teachers around talking about things like anti-blackness, right? Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, you know, she kind of told me in the end that she didn't feel like this was the right community for her to be in. Wow. Right. And which didn't surprise me, right, mm-hmm. in large part, you know, because of how Black educators going into predominantly white and predominantly Asian communities, right, they have a really hard time being supported. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a chance to work with her on mm. that. But they're definitely, especially when there are communities where there are not a lot of Black families, it's really, I personally feel like it's really important to talk mm-hmm. about things like that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah especially when there's only like a handful of black families and black kids, you know, it's really, really important, you know, to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. The situation in like our school is like a little like extra complicated too, because like we, we participate like in a program, like in the greater Boston area where like kids from Boston, like come to our school. Like we don't live in the city. Like we live in the, the suburbs and most, you know, but not all, you know, of the kids who come in from Boston are students of color. Mm-hmm. But it's not, you know, it started off, you know, as a desegregation program, but it's not specifically mm-hmm. like based on race right now. But there is this like kind of like strange dynamic where like there are like a lot of like black kids who aren't don't live like in our neighborhood right. because the rest of the kids in the school like live in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, so it does create this kind of strange like mix of like community because it's really different like yeah. when, you know, kids live five minutes away, you know, versus like living farther away or having to take, you know, the, the, the bus that goes into Boston, you know, right. to, to come to school. Um, and I've talked to my kid you know, my kids about this. Um, and there's a mix, you know, there's definitely like black families who live, you know, where we live too. Um, but, you know, the, that sort of added layer, you know, of like, sometimes I think, you know, people assume that like the, the black kids like all come from Boston and that's not right. true, you know, that there's all yeah. these different layers to it. Um, so I think my kids are definitely sort of like aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and and we've and I've talked to them too about like, you know how do how do their teachers, you know how does the teachers population like look like? Yeah, in comparison <clears throat> to like the kids. Yeah, you know. like my kid, my kid didn't have a black teacher until pretty much eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our school has like no teachers who are like classroom teachers who are black. Yeah. 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 And it's super complicated too because in elementary school, right? Those we had four elementary schools in this district, and one on the east side was predominantly black and brown, and everyone always felt some way because that Title II school needed, you know, and low income, right? Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of Eng- English language learners mm-hmm. in that school, which was an, which in relation to the other three schools was kind of an anomaly. Right. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, okay, people, <laughs> you know, when we talk about, you know, academics and after school programs, right, we can't forget about this school. Mm-hmm. Right. The end when we're talking about funding and all that, when I was BTA president, I'm like, you know, we have a responsibility to all of the kids in our community, not just mm-hmm. the ones in which we serve directly through our PTAs. Right. Right. Because yeah. in the end, there's only one middle school. Right. Right. And we all the kids go to the same middle school. And so the quality of education will be, will be shaped by how supported the kids feel mm-hmm. in the community and mm-hmm. also their ability to support one another. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this whole like, you know, crabs in a bucket, yeah. you know, thing is like, it doesn't serve our kids in the long run. And yeah. I mean, that was my way of calling out, mm-hmm. you know, anti-blackness mm-hmm. and also, you know, mm-hmm. um, anti-immigrant, ir- ironically, you know, so many uh, so many of the people who are anti-immigrant or immigrant were immigrants themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's a very hard, you know, conversation to have. But I'm most proud of those years that I was PTA president because I named those things oftentimes when my son was present mm-hmm. to see me as mm-hmm. PTA president. And mm-hmm. And I was, I really, really felt like I could not be a PTA president or even be involved in PTA if I did not advocate for all the kids, right, right in the yeah. town. And and I think in that way, you know, going back to the original conversation, part of the conversation about how, like, every day, you know, is Black History Month. Right. Right. I think those are, you know, the, the things that are, I think, really, really important to have those kinds of conversations and to model that kind of behavior, you know, yeah. for our kids, too. I think it's like the modeling and like, you know, that your kiddo like saw you like speaking up, you know, I think that's super important because I think it, it's sort of like the, let me show you, you know, not just like tell you what to do, you know, but let let me show you what this looks like, Mm -hmm. you know, in action, you know, in in whatever spaces, you know, you happen to be in. I think that's really important. Yeah. And I know that's hard. Like we probably have some listeners that are like, wow. I feel super nervous about Mm -hmm. like talking about, talk to my kids about, you know, African-American history or like black communities or even like, you know, calling out stuff. But I think as you and I, you know, have talked about in this conversation, you know, it, it could be as easy as introducing books. It could also be as easy as expressing curiosity and learning more. Mm -hmm. Right. And then sometimes just like asking the question of like, why is it like this? Why does it have to be this way? Right. Right. Yeah. And are we supporting all of our kids in this community? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Simple questions that are not accusing any anybody of anything, but right. just wondering about, yeah. you know, what's going on. Yeah. I like that question of just sort of like wondering because you're not making like a judgment necessarily, but you're just saying like stepping back and to say like, why is it like this? You yeah. Know? Or, yeah. or something doesn't really... feel right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And even if you don't have the words to be like, something doesn't feel right, you know, about this. This decision mm-hmm. kind of feels weird. Mm-hmm. You know, some kids are left out of this decision. Is this really the best decision for all of our kids? Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, Black History Month, I think, is again one opportunity for us to spend 
a whole 28 and because it's a leap year, 29, 29. days, right? <laughs> you know, the opportunity to, you know, have these conversations with our kids. But this is this can also be an everyday thing, just like, you know, you mentioned. And I love how it's like we didn't plan on <laughs> we really like we didn't plan on. We didn't know what we what each other was going to say. So this ended up working out really well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, I want to say happy Black History Month to you. Um, you know, thanks for having a great conversation and sharing with me. I actually didn't know all of this about you. So <laughs> you continue to inspire me, Delia. <laughs> you do as well. Um, listeners, like we'd love to hear, you know, your questions or your reflections, like on how you integrate these themes, like into your lives with your families. Um, as always, you can find us on Instagram at From Here Podcast. And we'd love it if you could follow us, uh, subscribe, rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thanks so much, Don. Take care. Bye.